The Ravens taking down the 49ers on Christmas night, sig signifying, signifying, excuse me, that they are the best team in the league. Lions clinching the NFC North, their first NFC North title and their first division title since 1993. Miami getting the job done on Christmas Eve, beating Dallas and keeping themselves in that number two spot, setting up a big matchup against Baltimore next week. Week 16, top three, bottom three, and a review and a preview of the playoff landscape for the final two weeks of the regular season. You are listening to the Fumble Rooski Podcast. You are listening to the Fumble Rooski Podcast by Power 8 Dean Radio and Secret Weapon Consulting. I'm Chris Kostich with me, CJ Medeiros. Merry Christmas, happy holidays. CJ, top three, top three gifts that you got this year or yesterday. Go. <laughs> wow, I didn't expect to be put on the spot like that, Chris. Uh That's the plan. I definitely want to say I got uh a new uh some new earbuds, like you know, the new AirPods, like the new second gen AirPods. That was pretty neat. I also got a uh new chain. I'm not wearing it now. That's going back up to my uh home in Rhode Island. Uh so it got a little mic on it, it's Italian silver. And uh nice. I might out myself as a bit of a nerd with the new Avengers Tower Lego set. That's pretty sweet. Hey, that's nothing nerdy about that. We had a we did a Secret Santa last week, and my buddy got um, my other buddy a Star Wars Clone Wars Lego set. Hey, I messed with it. Wait, so what's your top three then? My top three. I got a lot of good gifts this year, so it's kind of hard to make a top same. three. My girlfriend did get me a pair of shoes. My parents got me a new pair of moccasins. Um, I got this sweatshirt, but I was with my mom when she got the sweatshirt. Um, what else? I'm trying to think what else I got. Um, yeah, it's just, just to keep it short. I would say those are my top three. Yeah. Same. Once again, good holidays all around. Yeah. There's, there was nothing really to complain about at all. But with that being said, we'll move into, the the game of the was supposed to be the game of the night game of the weekend christmas night everyone's settled down maybe you're having another holiday party or you're at another family holiday party and you sit down to watch the monday night football game between the ravens and the 49ers the two best teams in the league and what we thought was going to be potential game of the year ended up being the complete opposite the Ravens beating the 49ers 33 to 19 and the scoreboard doesn't really show how badly the Ravens beat up on the Niners Brock Purdy with four interceptions ended up getting knocked out of the game Sam Darnold had to finish the rest of the game out 
Uh, Brock Purdy, 18 for 32, 255 yards, no touchdowns, forced interceptions. I will say two of them weren't necessarily his fault. Um, one of them was Purdy getting hit on the throw. Another one, well, there was another one that was deflected that I will say is, was his fault. Was the I think it was the screen or the quick slant that got deflected. But uh, total QBR for Brock Purdy, 8.0. And for the Ravens side, well, quickly back to the Niners side. McCaffrey, 14 carries, 103 yards and a touchdown. George Kittle, seven catches, 126 yards. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, six catches, 113 yards. There was still a lot of... Hmm, Sorry, I clicked the wrong my mic. Uh, There was still a lot of like good performances on the Niners side, but... In general, the Ravens just took over. Lamar Jackson, 23 for 35, 252 yards, two touchdowns. Um, the running game, he also led in rushing as well, 45 yards on seven carries. Up until around the fourth quarter, Justice Hill and Gus Edwards did have more than 10 yards rushing. Zay Flowers, nine catches, 72 yards, and a touchdown. This defense, the Ravens' defense showed up. That That's all it really was. They made plays happen, and the Baltimore Ravens' offense got the job done, capitalizing on what the defense was doing. And at that point, can you really blame the Niners' defense for giving up that much, considering that their offense wasn't really doing a whole lot to help them? Yeah. I did not see this coming. I I really, really didn't. Brock Purdy took a massive step back. Like you said, four picks. That is unheard of in general, let alone for a quarterback who's supposedly top 10. And I will give credit where it's due. The Baltimore Ravens came to play. They went in to enemy territory, and they completely shut down the Niners. I mean, McCaffrey had a good game. I think Ayuk did decently enough, but it just wasn't enough. And if you're the Niners, some bad news might be on the horizon because your quarterback, Brock Purdy, got injured in that game. He got an elbow stinger, which is his second one in these past two weeks. And uh, you're definitely a team that's going to rely on health for the playoffs. And as for the Ravens, this has got to cement them atop the AFC, no? I mean, yeah, you got Miami, yeah, maybe Buffalo, I guess. I mean, never mind top of the AFC. You got to consider them top of the NFL. Because originally, I was going to say the Niners are number one, but no, no. And I, and for the record, even after the loss, I will still take the Niners over Philly. I'll still take them over Dallas, and I'll still take them over Detroit. 100%. But but the Ravens just beat the number one. No, I'm sorry, Ravens. You're the new number one. And with that, does carry the burden of since you're the new number one. Teams are going to play that much harder against you. You now have a target on your back, but you've shown that you can handle it. You're atop the AFC, you're atop the NFL, and the Ravens had to be the biggest winner over this weekend. Just one step closer to securing that coveted one uh, or week or playoff week one by. Yeah, and obviously everyone's mean. Uh, concern is obviously going to be how Baltimore pl- performs in the playoffs because Lamar doesn't have a great track record in the playoffs. And the last time that the Ravens had the one seed was when the Titans made that huge or. Yeah, it was the. Titans. No, they weren't. 
no, the Ravens weren't the one seed that year. They were the two seed, but one now, of the last the times that... beat them too, or no? Hmm? I said, but didn't the Ravens beat them as well, or no? Who the Titans? Or the, or the Titans, yeah. Like, well, that was the Titans. that was the the COVID year. Oh, okay, but uh, the year that the Titans went on that huge run to the AFC title, they were uh, the Ravens were a top two seed. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they were because that was a uh, or no. Geez, now I'm now I'm now I'm confusing myself. All right, eh, nonetheless, my, nonetheless, my point but, is we do know at some point the Titans beat them, and we do know Lamar was good. And when he was MVP, they did go one and done. Yeah, in the playoffs, that is the main point. Anyways, one of the main one of the main graphics that I thought was very telling though was the difference between Lamar and Brock Purdy in terms of facing those uh, out of conference teams. Right, so everyone knows Lamar against NFC teams is unreal. He's now 20 and 1 against NFC teams. The only loss was against the Giants last year. And in the case of Brock Purdy coming into the game against AFC teams 3 and 2 in 11 to 9 touchdown to interception ratio. Do the math, now he's 3 and 3, 11 to 13 touchdown to interception ratio. Hmm. It's not not good. Not good. Yeah, no. No, it's it's really not. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like I mean, I know he's young, but if he is their QB1 like they claim he is, he's just got to be better. These are the games that separate the men from the boys. And look, I'll grant you he's in the middle of the second year. And in a way, he's still kind of easing in because he was literally Mr. Irrelevant last year and got the QB1 job. And he's still on a rookie deal. So, so, you know, like I said, I'll give him like, I'll give him some benefit of the doubt. But with all the weapons you have, I would have expected to at least cut down on the interceptions in that game alone. Yeah, exactly. And sorry. No, I was going to say, but I do want to give a lot of credit, though, to the Ravens. That defense, though, is unreal. I thought they were a few years off, but no, no, they're here. And I will reiterate that I like them over pretty much every other team right now. Yeah, and one of the big things, you know, they got uh, four sacks total. They got nine quarterback hits in that game, in last night's game. They are just, they are all over the place. It it just seemed like Brock Purdy was so out of his element, making the Ravens were baiting him into so many bad throws. It was unreal. And at that point, the name of the game really was that the Ravens defense showed up and made Brock Purdy look like he looked like Mr. Irrelevant. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. And, Let's also not forget, as much as the 49ers disappointed us, uh, as much as Brock Purdy may have disappointed us, we got to remember one thing. Brock Purdy doesn't play defense. Yeah. What oh, happened yeah. 100%. to that 49ers defense led by emerging guys like Traverius Ward and Ambry Thomas? Uh, you know, you have, I have like some, uh, well-known pieces like Fred Warner, Javon Hargrave, uh, Nick Bosa, Chase Young. And now I just I, – I was shocked that the Ravens were able to move the ball that easily there. And 
I think what I said from the last episode came to fruition about if you want to beat the Niners, you have to air it out. And that's just what he did. I mean, granted, there were a lot of screens. There were a lot of slants. But either way, these quick little dinks and dunks, I don't know why the Niners just couldn't defend it. It was like quick dump off of the receiver. He knifes up the field for like right through the gut of the defense for a 10-yard gain. For a supposed top 10 defense, you cannot let that happen. Yeah. Yeah, they made Lamar. When Lamar was scrambling on him, they made Lamar look like 2019 MVP Lamar. Mm. That's how he was running around. And it's not like they were getting to him either. They they only hit him four times. They couldn't get into the backfield at all. They did get two sacks. But with how good the defense is, you would have expected them to make more plays in general, right? Oh, only yeah. three pass deflections. They couldn't force a single turnover. Yeah, and that's the part for me that's insane because who does Lamar really have to throw to? I mean, Zay Flowers has been great as a rookie, but Mark Andrews is hurt, is he not? He is hurt. Isaiah likely. Yeah, he's. I mean, Isaiah likely is okay. Uh, Rashad Bateman's all okay. Uh, Nelson Aguilar is want is basically a wanted man in new england and philadelphia so i don't know so he's doing this without a real like top flight wide receiver one although i think zay flowers can develop into that but to do that with rookie zay flowers is truly impressive i mean they're basically treating zay flowers like a number one he got 13 targets last night nine catches on 13 targets rightfully so you know, I, how much blame can you really put the, on the 49ers, though? Because a lot, because all those turnovers, granted, like the one good play that the 49ers had was the opening drive where they got the uh, sack on Lamar. And they basically got lucky that the ref ended up tripping over himself and falling in front of Lamar to help with the safety, force the intentional ground yeah. and get the safety. But other than that, the, the Niners offense didn't really help them out at all. They all the turnovers basically gave the Ravens a short field. All like the Niners weren't were moving the ball, but all those turnovers were in their own end. They weren't in the Baltimore end where the Ravens then had to drive back down the field. They had a short field to work with, and the Ravens offense were able to capitalize on, on it. Now, point being, 49ers defense should be able to do a job. With how good the defense is, they should be able to help themselves out and make the offense's mistakes not be that costly. But, you know, when it happens so many times, you can only do it so many times. Yeah, I mean, y you'd think that. But at the end of the day, it's just for a defense that's supposedly top 10, you, you can't let that happen. And I know that the Niners offense was hemorrhaging turnovers, but. But the thing is, it's just Lamar ran all over them. As soon as he got, you know, as soon as he uh, got out of the pocket, the Niners' defense just collapsed. You know, like they, they just fell all over each other like two drunkards having a fight. Like what? I, I'm i just disappointed, I guess, is the word. Yeah. Uh, I will. I'm going to give the quote that Tuck texted us uh, before we move on. The Ravens are the best team in the NFL when running on all cylinders. 
Our defense is elite. We need to have a serious conversation about the MVP in an interesting game against the Dolphins coming up. We'll be talking about that Ravens-Dolphins game later on. We'll take a quick break when we come back. We'll discuss the Lions winning the NFC North. You're listening to the Fumbaruski Podcast. You're listening to the Fumble Ruski Podcast. Chris Kostich, CJ Medeiros. Lions winning the NFC North for the first time in franchise history. Their first division title since 1993. So they will have their first home playoff game since 1993. And the way that things are shaping up right now, they could be playing... Matthew Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams in that wild card game. They were, they were able to beat the Vikings on uh, Sunday. Yeah, they were able to beat the Vikings on Sunday on a forcing four turnovers off of Nick Mullins, Jared Goff, 30 for 40, 257 yards. Jameer Gibbs, 15 carries, 80 yards, two touchdowns. Amonra St. Brown, 12 catches, 106 yards, and one touchdown. And the Lions, that looks like a game that they were about to blow. Let's be real. That last drive, they had the Vikings on third and 26. And all of a sudden, you see Jettas just jump out of the building in double coverage and make a spectacular play to get the first down. Much like what we saw last year against Buffalo. Very similar play as uh, last year in Buffalo. But at the end of the day, they are able to get the job done. Like I said, four interceptions off of Nick Mullins. Um, no fumble recoveries. That was the only... There were some fumbles here and there, but... In general, just four interceptions. Kirby Joseph with two interceptions on the day. It was, yeah. It wasn't the greatest win in the world. I mean, they did have a two-possession lead at one point, but the Vi- but the it was just the fact that the Lions kind of just let the Vikings back in the game and give them a chance to even score at that point because that huge play by Jettas was able to – they were able to the Vikings were able to rattle off a couple more plays, big plays down the field to set themselves up. And really, if it wasn't for Nick Mullins throwing an absolute duck to Jettas that was slow and behind him for the interception, then we could be having a much different discussion today. Yeah. So first, I want to give all the props to Detroit. You are the kings of your castle for the first time since 1993. A lot of people I just 
think don't quite get how long ago that was. That's 30 years ago. Bill Clinton was president. We did not have smartphones. You know what I mean? Like, this is... Long time. Wow. Long time. I mean, I just... For example, one of the best players in your franchise's history, Calvin Johnson, was drafted, retired, and inducted into the Hall of Fame before you won your division. (laughs) I mean, I'm not dunking on the Lions. It's just been this long, and I am proud of them. Jared Goff is a good quarterback. Dan Campbell is a good coach, and they have some really solid pieces. But that Vikings game, ooh, that's that's something. Because the Lions are good, but they're not great. And something that worries me is if they stay in the three seed, which I suspect they will because I don't think they'll stoop down to whatever level of play is happening in the NFC South. No, they won't. Yeah, I didn't think so. But if they play the Rams, the biggest weakness, I think, for the Lions is their secondary. Yeah. And what happens when you're going up against Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua? And on top of that, even if you do lock them up, they have Kyron Williams on the ground, you know, kind of keep the defense honest. And Matt Stafford is a is a Super Bowl champ and uh and a real like longtime veteran who, according to some, is in the Hall of Fame conversation. I disagree, but that's another topic for another day. I just Something about the Lions just screams not ready. Maybe it's because they're young. Maybe it's just because I'm not sold on the secondary. But I do think that the their ceiling is divisional round. I do. That, that's what I think is going to happen because I don't think they're going to beat Philly or Dallas or, you know, or San Fran. But that's just me. Oh, by the way, we're going to find out because they're going to be in Dallas. Are they not? Like this week, they're going to be in Dallas. Um, Give me a sec. Pulling up the schedule. Yeah, they are in Dallas for Monday Night Football. And let me just say, the only way they would ever beat Dallas is if it's in Detroit because Dallas is abysmal on the road. But Or Saturday, Saturday night, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, but spoiler alert, we'll get to that later. I don't know anymore. I just, I want, I'm rooting for Detroit. I am. I'm happy that they have success. But oh my God, I just don't see them getting past round two. Because even still, the Rams are catching heat or, or, or have got the lightning in the bottle there at just the right time. I, I just, the Lions are very fragile in the way that, uh, yeah, that the uh, defense operates. And here's the thing. You almost you let the Vikings back into the game. They they almost came back and won. You almost blew that lead. And you got four interceptions off Nick Mullins. Not to mention that Detroit had a, a slow start to begin with, with Jared Goff really not heating up until the second half. Those mistakes will kill you in the playoffs. And I am confident they can work through it. But the playoffs is not the time to be working through these really bad issues. Overall, maybe I'm overreacting, but Detroit, enjoy your win, but 24-hour rule, there's still some season left to be played. 
Yeah, and there's been a lot of stats that have been coming out recently about the way that Jared Goff plays in indoor settings compared to the outdoor settings, and boy, it's a dramatic, dramatic difference. Like, Jared Goff's at, like, take his touchdown to interception ratio, for example, outdoors versus indoors. Indoors, 2.5 touchdowns to less than one interception. Oh, by the way, Chris. So we were just talking about the Vikings, right? Did you hear what just happened with them? Oh, TJ Hawkinson? Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. TJ Hawkinson torn ACL and MCL. Yeah, and, and since the Vikings are technically in the playoff hunt, that could kill them down the stretch. That could be mm-hmm. the final blow, but that's neither here nor there. Continue. That, that can be something we could talk about for the uh, later on when we talk about yeah. the uh, playoff landscape. Um. Anyways, so Jared Goff takes touchdown interception ratio for outdoors or excuse me, indoors, indoor touchdown interception ratio, 2.5 to sub one indoors, 1.5 to over two. It's Hmm. not good, not good. And the yard differential is there as well. It's, it's a concern. And if you look, you know, if they can somehow, catch a couple losses from the 49ers and Eagles because right now they're in that third seed and there are three teams at 11-4. It's the Niners, Eagles, and Lions. If they can somehow find a way to get the Eagles and 49ers to catch two losses in the next two weeks, then the outdoor-indoor conversation will not matter. But, like you said, that secondary is just... That secondary is just so suspect. It's it's not good. There's been so many times where Lions should be blowing a team out of the water and their secondary just keeps teams in games. Like, the secondary kept the Chargers in the game. The secondary, this same secondary, led up over 30 points to the Baltimore Ravens. It's, the defense is going to be the downfall of the Detroit Lions, and I wouldn't be surprised if they were. You said that you don't see them uh, making it past the second round. I wouldn't be surprised. That's if their they stealing. I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't make it out of the first round. If they were to face the Rams, no, nah, that wouldn't shock me either. Just because of the firepower the Rams have on offense, and I exactly. don't see them making that many mistakes. Exactly. But moving on. The Dolphins putting Cole in Dallas's stocking. The battle of the two seeds. It was funny, you know. We had the battle of the two number one teams in the conference and the two number two teams in each conference battled it out as well. This, the Dallas and Miami playing on Christmas Eve. And this one came down to a last minute field or last second field goal from Miami to get the win, keep themselves in that two spot and put themselves in a real good spot to go and face Baltimore next week as well. Just reading off some stats real quick. Uh, Tua, 24 for 37, 293 yards and a touchdown. Raheem Mostert, surprisingly, no touchdowns. Leading the league in touchdowns. Excuse me. Leading the league in touchdowns, didn't score a single one. Tyreek Hill, nine catches, 99 yards. Jalen Waddell, 
Only one catch, but it was a 50-yard catch. Uh, Dallas side. Dak Prescott, 20 for 32, two touchdowns, sacked four times. That was another thing. Tua got sacked only once. Tony Pollard, no touchdowns, 12 carries, 38 yards. Actually should have had a touchdown, but I don't know what he was doing, but Tony Pollard is proving that for – I don't know. Maybe we could, should have a conversation that Tony Pollard shouldn't be a main back and that really all of his success – was from him sharing carries with Zeke. Maybe that's a conversation we could start. C.D. Lamb, six catches, 118 yards, and one touchdown. I just, I'm trying to think here. I, there's just, I'm, I'm trying to put together two words, but it's just uh, Dallas. It just seems to be the name Dallas, of the game for them. Yeah. I, I know their record's good. I know the old saying, you know, you are what your record says you are, but we can no longer ignore the absolute just embarrassments they face on the road. We can't ignore how terrible they are on the road. And here's the thing, Dallas, I know that your fan base fancies you a Super Bowl contender, but... Yeah, I got some news for you. You very well could go on the road for the playoffs. And guess what? Super Bowl's not going to be in your stadium. So if you don't shape up on the road, and if some and if Philly has Philly surpassed them for the division lead, yeah, I would not put it past Dallas to be favored, right? In in the in the wild card round of the playoffs go on the road and lose i genuinely even if it's to like an nfc south team i would expect them to win but you can never count that out just because they're awful on the road and the sad thing is that's not a joke that's reality yeah right now they're slated if the season were to end today then they would be going to tampa bay for the wild card game it it's just this is just the same story over and over again. You know, it's Dallas comes out and just works the Eagles out of AT&T Stadium. And for some reason, this is also the same Dallas team that gets blown out by 30 against the Niners. And they lose by one to Miami. They barely beat Seattle in a, sh in a game that shouldn't have been a shootout. And it was a shootout. They're handed the keys to the to the division, and now they're blowing it all of a sudden. It what else are you supposed to expect from this Dallas team at this point? You know, it's you know, they get on these huge runs, and everyone's like, Oh, this could be the year that they actually make a run at the title. And it's the next week, it's like, oh, there's same old Dallas again. And there's same old Dallas again. Like, and the difference here is that like Dak isn't even like committing a ton of turnovers either. It, like the Buffalo game is a different story. The Miami game, he only had one fumble, but he had no interceptions. He was yeah. still doing a pretty solid job on offense. It, it I'm just going to say that this was, I said this when Dallas lost the Eagles the first time this year. And I think it's just that case that this is just more of a Dallas thing than it was 
than you can blame Dak for. Um, but at the end of the day, too, like Miami got the job done, drove down the field, got the field goal. Their first win over a team over 500 in over a, over a year and a half. I forget what the actual stat is, but they finally got a win against a team over 500 in over a year and a half since the 2021 season, I think. Yeah. Also, the thing with Dallas and uh, Dak Prescott, right, it's just that you, the Cowboys, this is one of Dak's better years. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it is. It's better than last year. There's only two years, which I would argue could be considered better. And that would be 2021 and uh, maybe 2019. Actually, yeah, 2019, 2021. But you're wasting it. The year where he's not fumbling everywhere. The one year where he's not throwing turnover after turnover. uh, He's tied with his career high in passer rating. And you are, and yet you can't get it done on the road. And I've been very vocal about it on the show, but how much of this falls on the feet of McCarthy? I I feel like it has to at that point. This this has been a discussion that Adam and I what's have. happening that with the with the Cowboys and it's happened with the Packers. You know what I mean? This is always what happened to Green Bay. They'd be good, and then every year they can never seal the deal. He had one fluke Super Bowl win with Aaron Rodgers carrying him, and then he got fired because they just they were always good but not good enough. And that's what's happening in Dallas. He is literally, to, to use a basketball uh, coach here, he's the NFL version of Doc Rivers. Yeah, And it's just I, – I know with that record it's unlikely – but Dallas, I think, should at least weigh their options if somehow they are one and done. If they, for another year, get bounced out round one or even round two, I would say anything short of an NFC championship game appearance, I'm calling it a disappointment. If you get bounced out, especially round one, then I'm not going to say what you should do, but consider your options. Like we've seen so many, we've seen so many teams in the past that have wasted MVP years. I mean, we've seen it from the Patriots where where Tom Brady has an MVP year and they get bounced in the divisional round and they don't make a deep run. But that's a different story because Brady was making it to the playoff or making deep runs in the playoffs every single year, making it to Super Bowl. So that's a different case. But for this one, it's just like they're not – this Dallas team isn't hasn't been successful since the 90s. You know, they've, what, only two playoff wins since 94 or whatever it is? Three playoff wins maybe? Something like that. I don't yeah. have the stat in front of me, but this isn't a successful team, and McCarthy hasn't really done anything to to help their case either. There's been time and time and again where McCarthy has been at the forefront of blunder after blunder. Now, you know, another case you can make here is that, well, at least Dallas didn't get blown out by one of the top teams in the league which has been the case for multiple games this year now. Bills, obviously, they're not really a top team in the league, but the way that they're playing, they're really acting like it. Um, They got blown out last week by the Bills. Earlier this year, 
They got embarrassed by San Francisco. Both of those being road games, by the way, to kind of go back on that road game topic. But like you said, it's wouldn't be surprised if they don't make a deep run, but this is a team that should be making an NFC championship run. But looks like their fate is just going to be losing in San Francisco once again. It could very well happen. And as for Miami, they're another team that's just weird. Yeah, that's Miami's another one that's you don't really know which team you're going to get. I mean, Miami at least gets a job done for the most part against the bad teams. The Titans game is one was one of those games that like any given Sunday, you know. Yeah. I'm not going to really go too deep into that. But at least Miami just get, can get the job done where it's Dallas where you don't know if they will get the job done at that point. Yeah, and like I said, if there's a game in the playoffs, which there inevitably will be, that you have to play on the road, there should be a level of fear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into the Week 16 Top 3 Bottom three. A lot of good games from this past week. A lot of good teams. But that's after this break. You're listening to the Fumble Rooski Podcast. You are listening to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88, Dean Radio, and Secret Weapon Consulting, Chris Kostich, TJ Medeiros. Go to the week 16, top three, bottom three. So we'll start with the top with the top three. Um, this one's all three of these top three teams are pretty obvious, and they're all three teams that we just talked about. So top three, Ravens. Bullying the 49ers. They made Purdy throw four interceptions. They made him look like Mr. Irre- Mr. Irre- Irrelevant, some would say. Yeah, Mr. Irrelevant. Oh, my Lord. I'm just going to stop. I'm just going to stop. Mr. Irrelevant. Boom. All right. Made him throw four interceptions, and they have solidified them as the best team in the NFL. And it wasn't like they were just getting interceptions. They were hitting Purdy as much as they possibly could. They were getting to Purdy. Dolphins. Big win. Set up a huge game against Baltimore next week. And it's really just because they beat Dallas at that point and the way they were able to come back, get the job done. Especially since their last primetime game, they ended up blowing a two-score lead to Tennessee to lose on Monday Night Football. Um, Last team on the top three. Uh, the Lions 
winning the division title for the first time since 1993. There, obviously, we we're saying that there's the concerns with how the game, the game against the Vikings ended. But, you know, at the end of the day, it is a divisional game. So anything can happen in those divisional games. But it's just the fact that they were able to finally win the NFC North for the first time, first division title since 1993. And that's the thing. That's the thing. It's been so long that the Lions had won a division title that the divisions got realigned. Yeah. Into what we have today. Your thoughts, CJ? Well, I'm I'm inclined to agree. I, I will admit to you that I am uh, inclined to agree on that, especially with like the Ravens and Miami and the Lions. Those are th- those are pretty good. Yeah. Um, some other ones that we could have probably mentioned: the Steelers winning with Mason Rudolph in. Oh yeah, that. But I would give pretty, them higher marks to Joe Burrow, but Jake Browning's not terrible. Jake, just for the way that Browning has been playing, and Browning still had th- over 300 yards, but it, he also had three interceptions, and most of those yards yeah. ended up coming in garbage time. And you know how I feel about garbage time yards. They don't count. Yep. Uh, Cleveland's another one, winning 36-22. Granted, they did beat uh, Davis Mills and Case Keenum, so that's not – but. It's just the sense that, you know, Cleveland's just on this magical run. You just, yeah, just I, I surprise every every week is just a new surprise, especially considering that they handled the Texans by fourteen. Um, the Buccaneers. A lot of those points Cowboys. were in garbage time, by the way. Because, yeah. like, I, I watched that game. That was Joe the next. Flacco still has a little tiny bit of rust because he does throw a mean interception, but. If he can cut down on those, then perhaps the Browns could be a trap game in the uh, playoffs. Yep. Uh, Buccaneers is another one beating the Jaguars. Jaguars are just uh, – man, I'm about to talk about them in a second anyways. Yep. Um. So moving on to the bottom three, the Chiefs. That offense just looked so slow. I – I don't know if they had too much eggnog the night before or something, but they let the Raiders embarrass them. Just straight up embarrass them. Back-to-back plays where they let up a defensive touchdown. And that's the thing is that if it weren't for those two defensive touchdowns, because the Chiefs defense still did a job, right? The Raiders, this is so bad that the Raiders – did not complete a single pass since the after the first quarter of that game. Did not complete one pass. And they still won. And on top of that, too, you have the play of Jack Jones getting the pick six off of Mahomes, staring Mahomes down, and then proceeding to go to the stands, act like he's giving a kid a football, and just taking it right away, acting like the Grinch. Saying, nah, this is my Christmas present, blood. It's mine. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was something to watch, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. It, unreal. It That Raiders defense was standing on business. I uh, just... Oh, never mind. I'll, I'll give my thoughts when you're done with yours. Okay. <laughs> uh, the Jaguars. 
this team is just in shambles right now. I I don't know if Trevor Lawrence just got back from his injury too soon, but you know, not no Christian Kirk. Um, did Zay Jones even play? I don't even think he did, but I'm just gonna check real quick. Um Zay no Zay Jones, no Christian Kirk. Your leading receiver was Evan Ingram. Travis Etienne had 12 yards on the ground. They had 37 yards of rushing total. Trevor Lawrence threw two interceptions. This team is in a bad, bad spot right now. And the last team on the bottom three, the Colts. Uh, lost 29-10 to 10 to the Falcons. This is a Colts defense that has been a highlight acting like a top five defense for the last six weeks. And they let a Falcons offense that doesn't know how to use their weapons, put up almost 30 points on them. It just, it just makes you think that it just makes you question how realistic the Colts wildcard chances are. Huh? Yeah. The thing with Indy, is that the deck was stacked against them, you know, ever since they lost Richardson. And full disclosure, you can't blame the head coach, Shane Steichen, one bit. He's making the best out of a bad situation. It's really a rude awakening for his first season in the NFL. But the Colts, I feel like a lot of their playoff chances went out the window with Anthony Richardson. And they I expect them to be back next year, but that they show that they can overperform. And then there's the Jaguars. For those of you keeping track at home, I believe the Jaguars have lost four straight. Plain and simple, Trevor Lawrence is hurt. You know, and the AFC South is just a mess right now. CJ Stroud is hurt. Anthony Richardson's hurt. Trevor Lawrence is battling injuries. And uh, it might be time. Honestly, I think missing the playoffs might not be the worst thing for Jacksonville. It really wouldn't. I'm not saying punt the year, but Trevor Lawrence is showing that he's still hurt, and you don't want to make a guy who you spent the first overall pick on have such an injury. Or, I mean, you're just worse than such an injury. You don't want him to play through that. And then there's the Chiefs. I don't think enough people understand how bad this loss was. A lot of people really don't. The, the Raiders did not complete a pass after the first quarter. Aiden O'Connell, the quarterback, threw for like, what, 62 yards? Um, it, and they didn't score any offensive touchdowns. Yeah. 20-14 to 14 was your final score. Uh, yeah, O'Connell only had 62 yards. Like I said... Mm -hmm. All nine of his completions Bad. came in the first quarter. Yeah. The Chiefs, you deserve to lose that one. If you can't beat a team that can't get into the end zone, then I, I just don't know. This is the most vulnerable they've looked since, you know, since Mahomes has gotten there. And let me tell you something. Everybody says that the Bears should have drafted Mahomes. I just want to make this quick side note that if the Bears did draft Mahomes, this would be kind of the Mahomes we'd see. This man has no help in Kansas City. 
And even if you're Patrick Mahomes, we've said before that a game-breaking like wide receiver one is needed. This is why. If Mahomes can't do it without one, then now, then what? I mean, there's doing more with less. Then there's just trying to do anything with nothing. And the Chiefs are nine and six. But that speaks for itself. Yeah, you know, we can bash on the Chiefs receivers all we want, but even watching that game, it wasn't like Mahomes was helping himself out at all. He wasn't like, yeah, he was doing Mahomes things, but just the some of the throws were just like Mahomes is throwing this ball? What? Like, for some reason, ESPN has him only throwing one interception. He threw two interceptions. He threw two interceptions. Let's not get that. Let's get that one straight. And he know. is currently on track to throw 16 interceptions total this year. So they're expecting him to throw at least two more in the next two weeks. Oh, just bad. Anything else you want to end on before we head to the playoff uh, landscape? No, no, I agree with you for the most part. That's pretty good. All right. Our last segment on the show, uh, we're going to look at the playoff landscape. There's two weeks left in the NFL season. About to go into week 17 and some division winners, but a lot of sl- of spots that are open in each conference, especially the AFC. There are no division winners so far in the AFC. So read out the top seven in the AFC real quick. It's the Ravens at 12 and three dolphins at 11 and four, the chiefs Jaguars. And then the wildcard spots are held by the Browns bills and Colts. And there are five teams that are still in the hunt for a playoff spot. The Texans, Steelers, Bengals, Raiders, and Broncos. And everyone in that wild card spot, besides the Browns, are within two games of each other. Now, granted, the Browns could definitely lose the next two and be eliminated from the playoffs, but the way they're playing right now doesn't seem so. Um, you got the Ravens and Dolphins playing this week. And if the Dolphins lose and the Bills win this week, then we will have an AFC's title game for on Week 18 in Miami. The If the Ravens win, they clinch the AFC North. If they lose, that sets up an AFC North title game, potential AFC North title game, in Baltimore in Week 18. If the Jaguars... If the Jaguars, Colts, and Texans somehow all went out, or I'm going to have to check the schedules real quick. Jaguars play the Panthers and the Titans, so they will not be playing the Texans and the Colts anymore. The Colts, lo and behold, will be playing the Texans on January 7th. So if we see a Jaguars loss and the Colts and Texans can both pick up a win next week, then... Lo and behold, we will be seeing an AFC South title game between the Colts and the Texans, potentially. But currently, Jacksonville wins the tiebreak over the Colts and Houston based on head-to-head win percentage. 
Yeah. <clears throat> Let me tell you something. All things considered, this AFC is truly something that is up for grabs. Even the one seed, and I fully expect this division to go down to the wire like week 18. It's just no one feels safe, and even though it's a lot more competitive than the NFC, it's literally just like a real murderer's row. I just, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be the Ravens that come out on top, but there's no team that I am 100% sold on to say, oh, yeah, that's our eventual Super Bowl champs right there. I mean, the Ravens are the best team in the league, but things change fast, especially this season. Yeah, it it's just weird how, you know, in past years, we have seen by this time where we have at least two teams from each, each conference that uh, have clinched the division title. And in the case of the AFC, there's no one that's clinched the division yet. Whereas the NFC, two teams have clinched the division, a third that or two others that are still very much up for grabs. You just don't really see that, or in the past, you haven't really seen this as often. But granted, this NFL season has been a weird one, to say the least. Yeah. Tom Brady was right when he said there was a lot of mediocrity. And the NFC, I still think the Niners are going to hold on there despite the loss. But the but the AFC East, NFC East is going to be interesting to see how that kind of shakes out between Philly and Dallas. And then there's the tire fire that is the NFC South where I expect Tampa to come away with it. And the wild cards right now, that's anyone's guess. Yeah, it's both sides. Someone has to get that 6-7 seed, you know, and going through the playoff picture for the NFC right now, 49ers are uh, in the one spot with the Eagles and Lions in the 2-3. and three. 49ers are in the one spot because they win the tiebreak over Philly and Detroit based on best win percentage in conference games. Um. And if Dallas finds their way in there, then 49ers are still going to have the one seed because of their win over Dallas and the conference record as well. Um, Eagles win the tiebreak over Detroit based on strength of victory mm. um, because they're both tied for conference record at seven and three. Buccaneers are in the four spot. Dallas in the five spot. Rams are in the six Seattle's in seven Rams have the tiebreak over Seattle based on head to head wins. Um, and then in the hunt Vikings, Falcons, Packers, Saints, and the bears. Huh. Bears are six and nine. And they are two games out of that six and seven spot. Yeah, the Bears are a team that I don't see getting it. I think the Rams no. and the Cowboys are going to clinch the playoffs in some capacity. But the seventh seed, oh, man, that's going to be weird. Yeah, I, I'm thinking that the Seahawks are going to lock up the seventh seed uh, next week. Um, it's yeah, a little more clear than the AFC, but, yeah. but yeah. a lot more top-heavy. Very true. The NFC definitely is more top heavy, whereas the AFC seems like anyone could get out of the AFC, but they would be getting out of the AFC B 
beat into hell, basically. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there's some other stuff to note too. If Vikings do end up making it, they have the tiebreak over Atlanta. Uh, division tiebreak was initially used to eliminate Green Bay. Uh, Atlanta has a tiebreak over Green Bay. Green Bay has a tiebreak over New Orleans. So that's why those three are where they are. Um, yeah, it's – and for the 49ers too, they'll probably end up staying in that one spot. They have the Commanders next week on New Year's Eve. Then they have the Rams on January 7th. So they'll probably end up staying in the seventh seed on this or the first seed, excuse me. Um, actually, if they win next week, they would pretty sure they would win or clinch the first round bye. And say the 49ers win, Eagles lose, and Lions lose, then they would clinch the conference now. I think, yeah. Because, yeah, they would just have to win next week and for a couple teams to lose, and they clinch the conference. So that Rams game could just not matter at all. I mean, it matters for the Rams, but for the 49ers case, it wouldn't matter for them. Mm -hmm. But something to definitely keep note of is the Eagles and the Cowboys. Um, I said NFC East title game, but they already played each other. But for the Eagles, they have the Cardinals and then the Giants to round out their season. Uh, the Cowboys. The Cowboys have the Lions and the Commanders. They have the Lions at home and they have the Commanders on the road. I could definitely see the Cowboys getting a road win there. Uh, for the Buck, looking at the NFC South, uh, the Buccaneers have the Saints and the Panthers. And the Saints, or excuse me, the Falcons, since that's the next team up. Saints have the Bears and the Saints. And the Saints, besides playing the Falcons and the Buccaneers, or they do play the Falcons and the Buccaneers. Excuse me. So there's your playoff landscape. It's going to be a wild final two weeks of the regular season, to say the least. Yeah, and like I said, especially the FC, that's going down to the wire. NFC is a little more clear cut, but a lot can still happen, especially in the NFC East and South. Yeah. Uh, CJ, anything you want to touch on before we end the show? Nope. All right, that'll do it for us tonight. Thank you for listening. We have uh, new episodes coming out on Tuesdays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard and Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We also have all our episodes available on Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, excuse me, and so much more. Also, be sure to follow our Instagram, FumbleRooski underscore podcast, and our TikTok, FumbleRooski pod, to keep up with our podcast and the latest coverage on the, on the NFL. Otherwise, from myself, Chris Kostich, and CJ Medeiros, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and have a wonderful 
rest of your week. We will see you on Friday over and out.